Hi, guys. It's Dan Nathan. It's Market Call. That's M-R-K-T Call. It's Thursday. Um, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting is sitting in with me I today. Thank you, Carter. We appreciate you being here. Guy Adami is actually doing something that I'm really proud of this young man for doing. He is speaking um, at a college down there at UVA, Carter, University of Virginia, econ students. How about that, Guy? Um, like I said, it's April 27th. This is Market Call. I am joined later by Liz Young. That would be EY from SoFi. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet Financial Data and Analytics that will be powered by tomorrow. And of course, SoFi, get your money right all in one app. Carter, we're going to try to get everybody's right, money right, right here, right now, right in Market Call. Um, how you doing here, man? Like this is kind of like, it's, it's kind of a weird market. And I've gotten a bunch of really good email questions from Worth Charting because I am a subscriber here. You're doing a little survey work this morning. We're going to get to some of that and kind of what 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 was the impetus for that. But today's interesting, okay? Like, you know, the NASDAQ is ripping here. It's up about 2%. The NDX is up 2.25%. The S&P up 1.25%. A lot of mixed things going on here. And I think, you know, as we're heading into this Q1 earnings season, you know, you and I and some of our friends, we focus on some of these mega cap tech names. We know that they're huge, um, you know, contributors to the S&P, about 25%, those top six, and probably about 50%, you know, the six or seven of the NASDAQ 100. And so far, they're putting up some beats here, right? That Microsoft gap yesterday, truly astounding. The follow through today, meta up 15%. Talk to me about just what you're thinking about as far as the setup into some of those names, you know, now Google's following through after being unchanged yesterday and how they're acting after the results. What does that say to you about kind of market positioning and sentiment? Right. Well, it's, it's sort of more of the same, I guess I might say it that way in the sense that uh, we have very distinct drops and gaps going on in one part of the market. And we have very distinct up thrusts and gaps in the other, which is to say, you know, um, United Parcel Service plunged on its earnings and Packaging Corp of America, all time at the consumer boxes, literally plunged on its earnings. And ODFL, a $34 billion trucking company, Old Dominion, plunged on its earnings. Got a Caterpillar down on its earnings today. And, and the list goes on, United Rental. Uh, financials, you see it. And yet the equal and opposite move are these huge um, sort of re-ratings higher, heavy volume up thrust with gaps on opening prints, news related in Microsoft, in Meta and so forth. And so one could say, well, yeah. And those latter ones are much more important than the other ones, but they're not. You see, the thing about it is that the market structure, the market keeps not going anywhere, but the market's structure is worse in the sense that when you have stocks that are dropping and gapping to the downside, they're being re-rated lower because they belong there. Something's wrong. The earnings are weak. The news is poor. The guidance is light. Yep. But things that are re-rated higher, you could say, well, they belong there too, but they're getting more expensive. And so the things that are up and up and up away um, are full, crowded. Where's the incremental dollar? Um, and so markets hunch. It literally keeps on neither getting better nor worse, but its internals are just not good. 
Yeah. So interesting. Uh, let me make a couple points here. So, the, so this is this is um, single stock week. Okay, we got all these earnings, and we know that really, for all intents and purposes, next week when Apple reports, I think it's on May fourth, we're going to be done with like I think most of the earnings that yeah, matter. Yeah, you get Amazon and Apple, and you're basically yeah. Okay. Then we have this Fed meeting, May second and third. Okay, and it really turns into okay, what is the Fed going to do with rates and are they going to keep them higher for longer, even if they intimate or they suggest that they are going to be, um, you know, stop the pace of, of increases. And we know that they've slowed them and we know that this is probably pretty close to the ending. And I think that's the thing that probably causes some of the internal weakness that you're talking about to maybe pull back with some of these larger names that have kind of broken out of late. And I also think it's pretty interesting. I think you highlighted this last week um, in a post on we're charting, but also here on market call, you were looking at the equal weight S&P versus right, the regular weight S&P. And that has a very different look. It feels heavier, right, than, than, than the one that is being dragged up by some of these big names with these big gaps. And I think that's really important. So, so walk us through a little bit how you're thinking about the NASDAQ 100, because like, again, I think six or seven of those names are 40 to 50%, if you want to add another one in there, of the weight of that. And we're still below the levels from about a week and a half ago. And we're still below the levels, obviously, from that February 2nd high. So Talk to me about why why the NASDAQ 100 in particular is of importance to you and how you're thinking about it right here. Well, a couple of things. The, um, I mean, just to your point about the equal S&P being worse than the, the actual, and you'll see that here in the chart, it's the same with the Russell 2000. So um, this chart is a very, it's it's very, uh, well, the, the order is very clear. It's market cap based, right? So the S&P 500 top 50. This is a year-to-date chart. You see the numbers. I don't need to read them off the screen. The point is that the top 50 are outperforming the top 100, which in turn are outperforming the top 500, which in turn are outperforming the top 500 equal weight. Everyone gets 20 basis points versus the actual weight when Apple has 700 basis points plus versus the Russell 2000. And then bringing up the rear, of course, the Russell 2000 equal weight. And so one way to consider it is that the Russell 3000, which represents 98% of the U.S. investable equity market. The index is up about 6% year to date, but the median stocks down two, average stocks down two and a half or thereabouts. It, it, it's strange that all year long, and you, you know this, that it's been billed as a bullish market. Yeah. How can it be bullish if the median and average stock is down? It's not bullish. It's nothing. It's just continuing to do nothing. It's a pair of deuce. Now, either one says, yeah, but that's the real opportunity to find winners and losers. Of course, we're all trying. Or it's the opportunity to hang yourself. Yeah. You know, Carter, it's interesting to me, though, when I think about when the NASDAQ, you know, topped out about, I think it was late November 2021. And we know that there were dozens and dozens of tech stocks that had been correcting at that point, you know, prior to the Fed saying that they were going to raise interest rates to battle inflation. Okay. So we have a NASDAQ that, that the NDX is, is, you know, 13,100 or so. Okay. And you think about where we were in late 2021, we were almost 17,000, which is pretty astounding here. So we've given back a lot, okay? And when you think about how close, let's say, Microsoft and Apple now are to their prior all-time highs, it makes all the points that you're making. There's still a lot of stocks in the NASDAQ 100 that act very poorly. But what's interesting to me is that back in November of 2021, the Fed funds rate was very near zero. And right now, it's about to be 
5%, right, at the next week. And so to me, I just feel like now we have the condition where maybe stocks were discounting it late last year, right, this kind of higher rate environment and how you value, you know, uh, you know, stocks that that are basically to your point that you've made on many occasions is like, okay, they're losing money, many of them, right? You know what I mean? So now we actually have the occurrence of the high rates and they may stick around higher for longer. We just had a Q1 GDP read at 1.1% that was very disappointing. So a stagflationary environment has to be bad. It has to be bad for a lot of these stocks. So Give me a sense of the, the NDX here. Um, and because to me, we already have the Russell down on the year underperforming, as you just mentioned. We have equal weight SP underperforming um, the SP. Now it really feels like it's time for the NASDAQ. It's it's it feels like an inflection point here. All right. So the, the the NASDAQ 100, keep in mind, of course, that this is it's two ways. A lot of people consider it a very off, uh, aggressive, offensive way to address the market to invest because these are the marquee names that are large uh, balance sheets, a lot of cash that have growth. And also at the same time, it's a very defensive thing to embrace idiosyncratic growth. That's uh, one of two ways that and staples and so forth to be cautious because an economically sensitive stock like a trucker or a steel stock um, is much more risky in a period of perspective contraction than a growth stock that has sort of characteristics that are idiosyncratic. In any event, the NASDAQ 100 dropped 37%, this we know, and that's the issue. Um, and that drop, and you see it here, this, this well-defined channel, those two um, vertical blue lines, one is the 2007 peak and the other is year-end 2023, which we know is coming up. We have plenty of months to go, but I wanted to put it in that context. And the lower band connects beautifully with the financial crisis, low in 09 to the penny, the COVID low, and then where we sold off to in this um, 22, 2023 sell-off. And so now what? Let's put it in the middle. Uh, let's do the next one. And 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 so do we, could we inch our way back towards the middle? But what's so important is how much damage was done. And the difference, if you look at the sell-off, COVID sell-off, of course, which was really steep, but the ricochet was even steeper, we recovered all those losses very, very quickly, whether it was because government was involved or what have you. But we're not recovering these losses quickly, right? These losses from the peak of uh, November, December of 2021 um, are going to take a long time to be recouped. Yeah, no, and definitely, again, <clears throat> you know, we talk a lot about the concentration, but it just seems that um, something's about to give here because I just keep staring at the fact I see these huge moves in some of these biggest names here um, in the NASDAQ, and they just are not, um, you know, kind of giving um, or helping the major indices make a lot of progress here. Let's talk about some of these names here. You know, Carter, this meta um, was one that, you know, you could draw the lines. I mean, there was a really nice uptrend. We had just recently broke that uptrend right off of the late uh, November lows. But then all of a sudden you have a beaten raise um, and, you know, the sentiment, despite the stock moving higher, despite the, the, the gap that we had in early February after their Q4 um, earnings, here we are. And we're, we're right back towards that gap level from uh, a little more than a year ago when they reported um, their Q4 from 2021 here. What do you do with a stock like this? Forget forget the fundamentals. Forget what they said about spending. Forget what they said about ad spend. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> happily, this, I did, happily, I didn't know any of that until you just said it. Yeah, I didn't read, I didn't read but, any. But this, this seems ahead. like this seems like two fifty seems like a level. Yeah, sure, right. I mean, look, do you? 
uh, it, well, first of all, you know, just stepping back, if I want to step back, just passing this to like, what the what? 350 down to 90, back to two. It just, this is, these are risk assets, right? This is not annuity work we're dealing with here. And the point is that it, just as you can get overdone to the downside, clearly at 80, uh, you can get overdone on an intermediate basis. We, we have a big move. I mean, how does one stay long? Okay, I would at least write calls, but I'd rather cut my position in half, literally, and sell calls against the balance. Okay, I'm real quickly tonight after the close um, snap, which is subject to a lot of the similar sort of um, conditions that have been pressuring, um, you know, Meta, um, and and that was a, a spend that was uh, lower ad spend, uh, you know, too high of a spend on their part, uh, lower ad spend, and all of a sudden here, you know, this thing, you know, it's 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 the slightest of uptrends, right? You can see mm -hmm. from those lows from, you know, maybe six months ago um, or so. It's sitting right on its 150-day moving average. Sentiment um, is really poor here. They could find themselves in a situation where they're able to guide a little bit higher, maybe print a little bit better. And on a five-year basis, I mean, this takes you all the way back to the COVID lows here. Is this and I know I know you hate buying weakness and 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 that's something you say again and again and again and you're usually very right on this but sometimes every once in a while I hear you say this is so bad it could be good right so the so bad it's good circumstance is something that's going straight down day to day this has been basing for for months and months right so an oversold condition that's not what this is this is basically flatlining yep. um uh, and I would call this jump ball. I mean, it's binary. I'm sure whatever what the implied move is, probably eight, fifteen percent. It literally is just an, a wager, a gamble. I mean, yeah. I, there's nothing in the pattern uh, to my eye that suggests there's a there's a tell which way it's going to go. And so, make your bets, as they say, or don't. Right? Just well, stay with I, me. I mean, listen to your point. It's a hard one to gamble on. Okay, when you think about the implied move in the options market, is about eighteen percent. The stock over the last four quarters has moved about 18%. So if you're going to define your risk, you're going to play with options long premium. I mean, listen, it is binary and, and to the point where um, you get the direction wrong by just a smidge and your premium goes um, poof. And I think that, you know, we talked about this yesterday on Market Call. It's like Google gave you an opportunity to buy it after the news was out, right? And so I think, you know, not all the time do you get the sort of move that we saw in Meta or Microsoft? And sometimes it's just a better play to wait and see what the companies have to say yeah. and how investors react. All right, here's another one. Amazon today, after the close, 8% implied move. On average, the stock has moved about 10% over the last four quarters. I know that this is one that you have been constructive mm -hmm. on. And I know that you've been drawing the lines that the breakout above that downtrend that's been in place um, for a while. This is my chart, not yours. Um, you see a little bit of resistance here. Is that fair on a one-year basis? Yeah. And I mean, that, a, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm constructed on it. I'll, and yet, when I read about the news out of UPS and Packaging Corp, I'm like, my gosh, you're walking into a buzzsaw here. I mean, they're they're giving you a message from these people who move the stuff around that you know this is light. But I, what I like about this is how much better Amazon's performance is compared to most other retailers. So if you look at, a, you know, from a, a Nordstrom's to a Kohl's to a Carter's to a Gap to an Urban Outfitters, this stuff is really struggling. And we know that stores in general have been struggling versus experienced stocks in the consumer restaurants, right, where people are going out and so forth. Um, I have it as long, sticking with that, we shall see. Yeah. Okay. And then um, here's another one uh, that reported this morning, huge gap to the downside, 30%. This is spun out of um, Intel um, last year. This is Mobileye, and they they serve the automotive um, industry. And so a lot of the the, the themes around autonomy, um, you know, this is this is uh, 
a pure play on that. That was one of the reasons why Intel wanted to spin it out, unlock some shareholder value. Well, something got unlocked this morning. Um, you know, I, I looked at the miss and the guide. It didn't seem like 30% down, okay? So that's quickly corrected. Now it's down 22% or so. And, and maybe this is not interesting, but look at the SMH, the ETF that tracks the semis here, Carter. And, you know, this uptrend, which has been a massive outperformer to the S&P and the NASDAQ off of those lows in October, it's just broken that uptrend. And you see that 150 day down there at about 223 or so. What's your take on this? Because we yeah, also- short nvidia yeah. don't like any of it i mean they've the relative performance peaked uh, almost five weeks ago uh to the queues which is of course interesting into the market and I, I think that's it's just a loved area nvidia being the poster child that um is now uh seeing the effects of too much love <laughs> every who was the incremental buyer i mean you couldn't move without any oh semi semi semis um, yep. what's happening all right, let's let's look at Nvidia really quickly here because again, you see that move from you know 140 up to 2 280 just last week here. Um, pretty steep uptrend. It's below that right now. The 150 day is all the way down there um, at 190. I am also short of this thing, and you know it's interesting. Automotive is you know, low single to mid single digits here, but the stock was down on the day, I think in sympathy a little bit with Mobileye. So is Qualcomm, which um, plays in that space. They don't report for another month, but this is one where, okay, I mean, all the AI hype is in it. It traded really well when you heard what Microsoft and Google had to say about CapEx spending as it relates to, you know, some of these AI large language models that they're heavily invested in. But this one really feels like it's churning a little bit. I think there's a tape bomb out here. So uh, I'm staying short this one. I know you are too. Intel tonight after the close, six and a half percent implied move. It had that breakout of this pretty um, interesting base um, that it had been in, I want to say, since about October low here, broke out, failed, sitting on its 150 day, got a little bounce there today. Any thoughts into the print here, Carter? And and I think you're probably going to say it's kind of a no man's land. Yeah. yeah. Well, but 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 a check back to 150 day moving average that is now flat, uh, more often than not, is a is a sort of a level of support. I'd say okay. small longs going into the number. Okay, fair enough. Last one before we let you go. We really appreciate you sticking in here. Comcast, um, you know, up 8% today. This is not a stock that generally moves that much. This is on earnings right to that downtrend that's been in place since last spring. Look at it, it held that uptrend like a boss, as Guy Adami might say here. And then if you want to back this thing out um, just a little bit, a five-year chart, this one looks kind of less interesting to me. What was your what would you your take for that little kind of flag formation or wedge, whatever you want to call it on the one year. Right. So I, I think the way to, I mean, to step back, if we see the high is 60 plus and the low is 28, are those good lows? Just to try to take a very longer, are the lows in? I would say yes. So now it's a question of the stock having obviously moved off those lows, 28, sitting here at essentially 40. Um, is there more upside potential than downside risk? I would say more upside potential. Okay, thanks a lot. We appreciate your help. We appreciate all your insights. For more of Carter's work, go to worthcharting.com. It's one of my first reads every day. He's got email newsletters. He's got lots of charts. He's got videos. So, Carter, thank you for being thank with you. us today. We appreciate no, it. No, all right. You. All right, let's do it here, people. Um, Guy Adami is super bummed out. I mean, he is speaking to a bunch of bright-eyed um, economic students down there at UVA today, but he's very disappointed in this. There he is. That would be EY. <laughs> that is NYSP. 
Liz. Hello. Yeah, I get a scheduling F today. I am yeah. in a cafeteria at the Nicey. So apologies for the soft rock in the background and any talking or chewing that you hear from my many, many guests around me. But I'm here. I did yeah. it. If there's anybody really interesting, like some CEO or something that's going to walk by you of a, a NYSE listed stock, just pull them on here. Let's, let's, let's have a chat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If, if I see anybody interesting, yeah, I'll, I'll pull them on for a little cameo. So I, I don't know if you just heard us kind of talking a little bit, Liz. I'd love to get your take. Um, and, and we definitely, I know that in your note on the SoFi investing blog, you're taking a little stock of Q1 earnings um, so far. But I don't know if you heard what we had to say about like the equal weight S&P versus, you know, um, the regular weight S&P and just kind of the underperformance there. And on a day like today where you're seeing some just really big moves, some continuation moves of names like Microsoft and Google and then Amazon up in sympathy and Meta up 15%. But the S&P and the NASDAQ, they're still below the levels they were like a week ago. You know what I mean? So even with some of these big moves, thoughts thoughts on that, um, just, just because it seems like positioning into Q1 earnings, we were like kind of ready for some big disappointments. I'm not sure we were ready for some big surprises. And that's why maybe we had some big gaps and some very big market cap names. Yeah, well, so if we think about this just from a broad market perspective, we've been stuck in a trading range for a while. And I think in my note, I said something about it's as if we're on a teeter-totter that is stuck perfectly horizontal. And then we went into this earnings season with a lot of fear for negative results, negative surprises. And where we stand today, almost halfway through the S&P 500 earnings, and we've got surprises to the magnitude of about 8% on the upside. So when you're stuck in that sort of horizontal trading range, you end up pretty ripe for if good news comes in, you go up, if bad news comes in, you go down. But to your question before that about the actual leadership, I think it continues to be narrow. And I'll tell you this, I mean, some of those companies did absolutely post good results. And what you want to see as an investor is the market respond to fundamental strength and to earnings reports that were good. So I think some of that is a positive. But on the other side of it, when you look at just the big cap tech names that continue to rise in the face of probably another Fed hike, in the face of probably an economic contraction, this is what momentum looks like. Now, that also goes to say you can't fight the tape, right? I mean, we know we've been cautious. I remain cautious on the macro economy. I remain cautious on valuations. But momentum is a really strong force, and it will probably continue until and unless it has a reason to stop. And we just haven't quite gotten that yet. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So um, we have this Fed meeting May 2nd and May 3rd. And I think a, a lot of investors are positioning right now for kind of a one and done. And, and I think it's kind of baked in there that they're not going to signal when and how they pivot, right? Like that's just not going to happen. We've talked a lot about it on, on the tape with you and with Guy. And I think we're all in agreement that if they do have to drop Fed funds rate precipitously anytime in 2023, it's not going to be something that is really that supportive of equity valuations. Okay. So like, 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 let's just agree on that. But as we think about this Fed meeting, we think about the VIX that was briefly above 20 a few trading days ago. Now it's at 17. We look at just what's gone on in the two year. It's, you know, solidly above um, 4%. The 10 year seems stuck at 3.5%. And when I think of that spread right there, I say to myself, okay, 
The two years reflecting the fact that the Fed's going to 5% in Fed funds and they're still worried about inflation. The 10-year is telling me that it's worried about that GDP, uh, that, that GDP reading that we just got at 1.1%, which is below the, the originally forecasted one9 Now, that's not where we settle out for Q1, but that is a stagflationary sort of setup, which again, I don't think is supportive of equity valuations where they are right now, despite the fact that we have seen some good earnings. There's no doubt about it, but I will say this, you know, it's interesting for like every Chipotle that we had yesterday that broke out and and just looked like we're at a raging bull market. Today, you see a Domino's, which is down 5%, you know what I mean? Which is a disappointing result. So how does some of that square off as you're thinking about just kind of this Q1 period and what Q2 is likely to shape up to be. Because if we're having lower readings in the GDP forecast right now, um, I got to think that higher for longer rates is going to weigh on Q2 growth also. Yeah, so higher for longer rates is going to weigh on everything for the rest of the year, in my opinion. But, you know, we'll see what happens with if the Fed has to cut or not. Here's what I would tell people. And and obviously, I don't talk about individual stocks. But if you're out there and you're analyzing individual stocks and you're looking at something and hearing reports of revenue growth being surprising to the upside and revenue growth being really strong, dig deeper and find out if that revenue growth was actually because they increased unit volume, increased market share, actually increased whatever it is, their audience Because if it's just because of pricing pass-throughs, that is not sustainable. And think about what we want to happen here and what we're trying to make happen here is that prices come down. So if this is all about pass-throughs, which for some of those companies it was, that's not going to last. And I would expect that into Q2, you start to hear about more margin compression. And then just look at the mix. And I know we've talked about this a couple times. Revenue growth is still positive, about 2% on the quarter. Earnings growth is negative, which means that mathematically margins are contracting. So at some point, if and when that revenue growth turns negative, earnings are going to turn even more negative from there. And you have to continue to think about the math of that and just what is really at risk from a growth perspective. I don't think there's a ton of organic growth for some of these companies that have been around where the market is saturated and you want to be really choosy about what you're expecting. Yeah, so this chart that you had um, in your note today um, is really interesting because, you know, we we have this focus on an economic recession. That's why we track that GDP data and a lot of the inflationary data. Um, but when you look at this chart, which is really just, you know, the revenue like that you just spoke to, which is still if it's above that horizontal line there, that means it's um, expected to be up. And then the blue bars, which is, you know, the earnings that you just spoke of, it really, you know, it spells out that we are going to be in an earnings recession here. And so that's why we really want to keep a close eye on demand, any readings that we have on demand, because to your point, if we do see revenue go negative year over year, it's going to be really highlighted in the earnings. And is that generally a precursor for an economic recession? I've I've talked about this as a three-part series. The first part is the bear market. The second part is an earnings recession. The third part is the economic recession. Partially, it occurs in that sequence because that's how you get the data. The economic data is always pretty lagged. The thing about this chart that is really interesting, and this goes to my point just before, is that look at the blue bars, that's earnings, the sort of forward blue bars, so out into the future, and then look at revenue. The gap between how much revenue is expected to grow and how much earnings are expected to grow just continues to get bigger, which again, do the math on that. That means that companies are going to have to cut costs more in order to preserve those earnings. So that's going to be a really tough environment. And if we're hearing about 
more cost cutting, I'm willing to bet that those cost cuts are going to come in the form of layoffs at some point. So you have to really think through all of these sequence of events. If we're waiting for the labor market to see some weakness, the only way that this chart actually turns out this way is likely if the labor market sees weakness later in the year. Yeah. And that's a great point. So, you know, companies have been rewarded for those layoffs. And I know that sounds really sad in a way, right? Because I think that they overextended themselves. That's very clear. We've seen these large um, tech companies with tens of thousands of, of um, you know, firings at a clip here. Um, even like a Disney, a lot of media companies too. D Disney just started, um, you know, 7,000 layoffs that had been previously announced. And I guess the point I would just make is that all of a sudden, though, the flip could uh, the switch could flip a little bit here if we do see you know unemployment start ticking up at a time where um, you know just kind of growth readings are coming down. That will be like a signal where maybe it's not great that companies are cutting jobs at that point because they're kind of seeing a difficult macro environment um, in front of them um, a little bit. All right, let's switch gears a little bit, Liz. You know, every Thursday um, we have the benefit of getting a preview of John Butters, his earnings insight analysis um, from FactSet. It drops on the FactSet um, Insight blog every Friday morning. And Butters has been tracking, you know, the year over year decline, or at least the expectation for declines in S&P 500 um, earnings here. And, and what's, what's interesting to me is that we know that over the last year and a half during the bear market, we have seen estimates come down over the course of the quarter. And then companies have actually been kind of beating those lowered sort of estimates. That's why tracking how much they've declined is really interesting. And so here's Butters saying the S&P is reporting a year-over-year -year decline of earnings of, of nearly 5% for Q1 2023. However, five sectors are reporting earnings growth for the quarter, led by consumer discretionary sector at 42.3% at the company level. Amazon is the largest contributor earnings growth for the sector. They had some very difficult comps um, last year. They got a lot easier. The company is expected to report EPS of $0.21 cents for Q1 compared to a year-ago loss of down 38 Ex-Amazon, the sector would be reporting earnings growth of 10.4%. Amazon is also expected to be the largest contributor to earnings growth for the sector for all of calendar year 2023. So what's interesting about this is that Amazon reports tonight after the close, big implied move, stock is up 5% into it. Um, and I'm not asking you to actually opine on Amazon individually here, but well, there's two things um, that are kind of of interest to me when I think about Amazon is what is AWS as a read on small, medium business and just general demand for the cloud services that they provide, which is really the engine for them to invest in other parts of their business? And then we get this read into North American retail. We've seen some retail spending data kind of fall off a little bit, Liz, of late. How important do you think this Amazon report is tonight? And do you think that, let's say, it has the ability to really hypercharge the rally that we're seeing in mega cap tech and maybe we see the NDX break out or does it have the potential if it's disappointing to kind of reverse this move and probably be the first thing that leads us a little bit lower as we start focusing on the macro and the Fed next week? So you're right. Amazon is sort of in the caboose for those train fans out there in the caboose of big tech earnings. We still have Apple next week as well. Here's the thing, when you see a gap like this, this chart is really interesting to me. You see a gap like this, you take one company out and it completely changes the picture. This is like the analogy I think I used last week. If you don't have Aaron Judge, are the Yankees still good? If you don't have Aaron Rodgers, are the Packers still good? The answer is yes to that. But you don't wanna be reliant on, on just one company or one or two companies. 
Now, here's the thing about what I think is happening in big cap tech. Yes, there's some momentum that is behind it, but some of it is stock specific. So if we hear something that's not all that impressive from Amazon tonight, I don't think it reverses the entire rally that we've seen. I think we need something a little bit more macro that would do that or something more valuation based that would do that. But it's interesting that the market is pretty positive and pretty optimistic about what this earnings report is going to be. It's not as typical, at least not what we've seen this quarter, that a stock runs up into the earnings report. So I'm interested. I mean, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, me too. This is a tough one, though. You know, Carter and I just went over kind of the technicals here. He's been constructive on the chart um, setup, but this is one where they have been cutting costs um, fairly aggressively. And, you know, listen, I mean, some of the growth numbers that we've seen um, in these kind of cloud players, they're meaningful deceleration year over year, but they're still pretty darn good. And I think the stock market has clearly rewarded uh, Microsoft and then today Google for some of that and then just kind of light at the end of the tunnel as far as advertising. And it's really important to remember that Amazon now is a huge digital advertising player. So they have a lot of other businesses that have become a little bit more um, cyclical in nature here. So all of that stuff, interesting to me. All right, Liz Young, that's EY from SoFi, but she's actually from the NY. SE today. Wow, that's a lot of acronyms there, um, Liz. So really appreciate you making time for us. How were the um, SDs in the IC today? Was that fun being down there on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange? It's always fun to be on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Absolutely. All right, fair enough. All right, Liz, Liz thank you so much. You guys know where you can find her work. That is at the SoFi uh, Investing blog. She is on Twitter at uh, Liz Young Strat. Uh, appreciate it, Liz. We'll see you Monday on On the Tape with Guy and me, and then back, obviously, next Thursday. So I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank Carter Braxtonworth of We're Charting for stepping in for Guy um, today. And I obviously want to sp- uh, thank our sponsors. That would be FactSet and SoFi um, for their fine sponsorship of this fine program. So thanks a lot, everybody. We will see you on Monday. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Liz.